This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Mem Fox, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you very much, Cheryl. It's lovely to be here. Um, it feels, um, for me, it's just such an honour and privilege to have you here today. Well, thank you. Um, that's very kind of you to say so. I never feel that it's an honour and a privilege for me to be anywhere, but, you know, I'm, I think it was the way I was brought up. Yeah, maybe it was. My feet are very solidly on the ground. <laughs> they are indeed. Um, I'm going to introduce you because I think there might be one or two Australians that haven't heard of you, not many, <laughs> because in the 25 million population that we have, I think everybody um, in this country has read Possum Magic. Um, Mem Fox was born in Australia, grew up in Africa, lived in London and moved back to Australia as a 23-year-old. Mem then went on to become Australia's best-selling writer in 1983 with the po- publication of Possum Magic, her first book. I mean, what a phenomena. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Possum Magic is still available in print and has become a staple in most Australian family homes. By itself, it has amassed sales over 3 million copies. Since then, Mem has written over 40 children's books and several non-fiction books for adults. Her books have been translated into 21 languages. Her newest book is called The Tiny Star and addresses the difficult subject of death and loss. It was inspired by Mem's close relationship with her grandson and how she would feel leaving him alone were she to pass. Freya Blackwood, the illustrator, has added superb illustrations to this touching story. The book has been called A Celebration of Family, Community and Love. And just on my note, I, I think everybody that reads this beautiful book will shed a tear. It's just, and not just of sadness, but of happiness and joy and of life. That's just the way it is, isn't it? It is. It is. When I finish reading it, when I finish reading it myself, um, I get the sense of relief from that last page. Incredibly, even though I'm the author myself, I get the sense of relief mm-hmm. from that last page, which I hope all my readers will will mm-hmm. have as well. You know, the, the consolation that the last page, the last couple of pages provide. I find it extraordinary that that I get that myself. Mm-hmm. You know, having put myself through the words in the book, uh, there are a couple of pages which, thanks to Freya Blackwood's illustrations and the heightened emotions that those illustrations have Beautiful. made happen, uh, where I find it quite difficult to get through, yeah. Uh, because she, she, what she has done is, is, 
It's just break hearts, frankly. Yeah, and powerful. Yes. Um, I don't know if you've seen, I think there's some series on the ABC or SBS, and I can't remember which, which is looking at relationships between um, people in nursing homes and young people. Old people's homes for four-year-olds. Yes, is that what it is? Oh, well, did I cry over that? Did you? I I I haven't seen it yet, um, but I've seen a hashtag going around about it. And my, my mother is 83. And she has, gosh, I think, and I don't want to get this wrong because I'll upset people, but I think she has six great-grandchildren. Wow. So we're not talking grandchildren no. here. Uh, and I think I showed you a photo of her earlier with um, two of the, the youngest ones helping her put some clothes on the line uh, yesterday. And she's been frail lately. She hasn't been well. And I think there is magic with having those grandchildren around her who visit her almost daily. Um and I wondered what it was after reading your book, The Tiny Star. Is it the relationship and the joy that old people get from children or is it the sense of hope? I think what old people get from young people is um, a dual relationship that goes from one to the other of of trust and um and a peculiar kind of joy. It's not just the old person who feels it. No, I it's, agree it's with you. It's the young child yeah. who, who, you know. They adore her. You know, I just, you know, there are certain things that my grandson and I will do, like, you know, we'll, we'll sing Alleluia, you know, with the windows down in the car, you know, so that, you know, the lights... We have to put the windows up again because we're singing so loudly. It's just that and people you know, think you're mad. <laughs> they're, they're just beautiful um, little things that happen between that the young and the old that cannot be replicated between parents and ch- children. You know, when I, I often think, what is so different about being a grandmother? This is madness, you know. Um, and we were very late grandparents. You know, our daughter didn't have this child until she was nearly thirty-nine, um, and. We had almost given up, and uh, all our friends who were grandparents said, "Oh, you know, it's so different." And and I thought, "Look, I've had a child. How different could it be? This is ridiculous." I adored my daughter, still do. I loved her as a child, but you're almost living parallel lives. I know that sounds crazy, because you're in the same room, you're in the same house, but the busyness of life, of schools, for the kids, of careers for the adults. There's no time to sit in a Zen sort of situation. And when you're a grandparent, you don't have that interruption in your life. What the child leads you to do is you're able to follow. So if an imaginary game starts, you don't have to say, I've just got to write another paragraph, I'll be with you in a minute, or just let me, I've just got to empty the dishwasher. I've got to get the washing on the line. Um, I've just got to answer this email, darling, and I'll be back to you. That none of that happens as a grandparent, even though I'm still working. Mm. I'm not working to the extent that I was working when I was a parent. And that, that absence of, of time pressure, I think is what creates the magic. It's, it is magic. Um, we, um, my parents immigrated, um, and even though I was born here, we came to this country and we didn't know old people because our grandparents were in Lebanon. Right. And I grew up 
with kind of not really knowing anybody that was older than my parents. You I know? didn't either, Cheryl. Did you? Because Isn't I grew up strange? in Africa and my, my, all my grandparents were in Australia. I didn't, I, I had no idea what grandparents were in really. <laughs> It is different, isn't Very it? Very different. And I feel as though I missed out a little I bit. I certainly missed out. Now knowing what I'm doing with my grandson and the relationship we have, I think how sad that I, what, what I've given to him. Yeah. And, you know, looking at who my grandparents were, all four of them would have given me something so different. Each would have given me a different part of themselves. I, I would have been a totally different person mm-hmm. if I'd had that input from my yeah. grandparents. But, you know, for me, even the phys- physicality of being old, I remember when my grandmother finally did, my father brought her out from Lebanon to visit yes. us, and I was, like, just even looking at her skin and looking at her face, were they were just first time for me. All those <laughs> moments were just first time. Yes. I'm thinking, you know, I loved her. I absolutely loved her. I just would stare at her all the time. But it is it was unusual, and now I think... I read somewhere, and I don't know if I'll get this right, that the, one of the reasons why the human race has survived is because of grandparents, because grandparents are available to mind and care. Mm, mm. So, you know, in a sense that mm. the parents can go out and yes, gather yes, and work yes, and all that yes. sort of stuff. And that makes sense to me. Well, it makes great sense to me. Um, I sometimes think, because I'm now 73, that that's my that should be actually my only role, mm-hmm. that I should be that person in the community who is caring for people older than myself, uh, you know, the, the ones that are even older than, than my generation, um, and that I'm there to nurture, care for the younger generation so that the middle generation can get on with it. The hunters and gatherers. Yes, yeah. exactly. So... You know, I only have one hunter and gatherer daughter. <laughs> um, and she's a single parent. And without us in her lives, mm. she could not lead the life that she leads. Mm. She couldn't. It would be, uh, she would have to because she would still, you know, have to be uh, a French teacher in, in a school. Um, that she would have no choice. But the, the difficulty of that with a child whose school starts at a different time from her school, whose school is in a different suburb from her school, it would would just, would be totally different and the child would be totally different. I agree, I agree. Okay, so tell me, how does, I mean, how phenomenal is it that the first book that you put out there to the world becomes a bestseller forever? Um, it has to be phenomenal, doesn't it? It does. It just has to be phenomenal. Tell me how it never. Began. I just want to, as I'm sitting here in front of you, wanting to slap both my cheeks, you know, one after the other and going, whoa, 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 how did that happen? How did that happen? How did that happen? Look, let's go back. Let's go back to when my daughter was little and there weren't enough Australian books around for her. Absolutely. And she couldn't, you know, we, we talk about finding ourselves in books, you know, and Australian kids couldn't find themselves in yeah. the books. There were fabulous books around. There were millions of great books from America. Uh, there were fantastic, you know, British classics and British uh, writers writing terrific stuff, you know, which she loved. But where was she in these books? Where could she find herself as an Australian child? And I was at uni doing a uh, post, not, not postgraduate, but a second degree 
Um, I had been to drama school for three years in London and I came back and in order to continue teaching at the university that I was teaching at, I had to do, you know, a normal degree in inverted commas. And I chose to do children's literature because because my daughter was an avid reader and I thought there must be something that's been written since I was a child, you know, what's what's around? And we had to write an assignment uh, uh, for this course and I was so mad. I was also, I was affronted by having to write a children's book because I was a mature age student and overachieving, you know, A plus student. I didn't want this nonsense of writing a picture book or it could be a novel. It could have been a novel. Any, any book for children I just thought was beneath me. Um, and that's why we had to do it so that we would respect the exactly. authors that we were about to study. You know, mm-hmm. it really, hit us over the head. This is not an easy thing, you guys. This is really difficult. And so when I had this assignment, I thought, I'm going to go gung-ho here and I'm going to write the most Australian book possible. (laughs) Um, Because my daughter lacked this in her life and that book was rejected. It was called Hush the Invisible Mouse. Mm -hmm. And the mouse um, began in England uh, with its grandmother, who was magic, uh, you know, which mm-hmm. was, could create magic. And she knew that it was something to do with food, and they traveled around the world tasting foods, and nothing worked until they got to Australia. And then the foods that they ate, which are still in the current uh, edition of uh, Possum Magic, were the ones that made the, ha- the mouse invisible. Well, it was rejected you know, nine times over five years. So you don't expect a book like that to become a phenomenal bestseller. And there we were, you know, rejection after rejection. Finally, the 10th publisher, Omnibus Book, said, look, we can tell from this draft, from these drafts that you can write. And I had asked Julie Vivas to do some illustrations, which is absolutely wicked, and one should never do that never ask an illustrator to do illustrations for a text that has not been accepted by a publisher. It's wicked. Well, I didn't know that. Julie didn't know that. She was very obliging. Um, How did you meet her? How um, did you I was working at in a, a teacher's college right. teaching drama and the art lecturer, in the one of the three art lecturers in the college, had... I said to him, do you know anybody that could, you know, do some illustrations for me to hand in to value add my assignment, you know, for yeah. the university? And he said, yes, I taught somebody at Sydney Art School um, who'd be terrific. Her name's Julie Vivas. Yeah, wow. We, did, we hadn't even met. Yeah. And she did these illustrations for Hush the Invisible Mouse, you know, to two yeah. or three full illustrations and then sketches. Um, so, of course, the book was fairly well received by my lecturer, but not by publishers, one of whom rejected it because it was too Australian. So, um, the, the tenth publisher said, look, we, we love the illustrator. We love your ability to write. Um, this book is four times too long and we'd like you to cut it by at least, at least two thirds, you know, if not by three quarters. And, we would also like you to change the animal from a mouse to something more Australian because there's a plague of mice in children's literature. They're everywhere. That was a Friday afternoon, and I was so excited by the first hint that this book might be published that I you know, worked all weekend. Oh, one of the other things they said, which I didn't really understand at the time, I totally understand it now, was they said, make the language lyrical. 
And I had a vague idea that lyrical meant something to do with sort of seeing it, you know, the sing, sing song sort of thing. And, and I had been a reader, an avid reader myself all my life. I'd been to drama school. I'd learned the world's finest poetry. I'd learned Shakespeare by heart. I had grown up on a mission in Africa, thank God, with the King James edition of the Bible, you know, the beautiful yes. Bible, not that today's yes. chalk on the blackboard Bible, you know, just that, that language of the new Bible is so is agonizing to my ear. I can't stand it. Anyway, I had all that good language in my in my veins without knowing it. So I rewrote the book. It was cutting. It was just terrible because I think every writer who hears me talking now will think that every, you know, they know exactly what I'm talking about when you think that every word you've written is, you know, God's mm. gift to writing. And when you find that you are... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm not writing well and you have to cut a huge amount of what you've written. It hurts. It's really awful. And you just got to be brutal with yourself. You just mm -hmm. have to be brutal. So, um, I made it lyrical. I cut it by, you know, the required amount. I changed it to a possum because we had possums on our roof and the little babies are too cute. Um, and then it was published. And the launch was to be at the Sydney Opera House in May. And it was published on March the 31st, March, April, May. So six weeks after its publication, it was going to have a big launch at the Sydney Opera House. Unfortunately, Mike Rand did something on that day and there was no news whatsoever about my new book coming out. It was a time when there wasn't very much publicity. This is 83. Yeah. Word of mouth sold the book out before the launch. Wow. So it wasn't available. 5,000 gone before the launch. So they reprinted immediately 10,000, which was phenomenal because most picture books sell under, under 10,000 in their full been, life, you would, know. Would it have been hardcover? It was hardcover. Yeah. Yeah. It go. was hardcover. Unknown. I mean, it just doesn't happen. It was word of mouth. Yeah. It just went mad. Not one of us knew that it was going to happen. Neither of the publishers had any idea that it was going to happen. Julie had no idea. I had no idea. Like most people who want to be writers, you don't, you want your name on the front of a book. You're not actually a professional writer yet. You're not the kind of writer who's relying on the money, which I now am. You know, I, that's my job. If I don't sell books, I can't pay my bills. So, um, that phenomenon was a shock to all of us. 
Mm. I've just got some stats here because we run a, a top 50 kids every year yes. uh, that's merchandised um, in bookstores and libraries mm. um, and in BW. But um, uh, we got these figures um, in light of this interview today. So this is Possum Magic, number one most voted. Well, firstly, this is Mem Fox, number one most voted author in top 50, in our top 50, 60% ahead of any other author. Right, <laughs> almost 500 votes for Possum Magic and Eric Carl, the very hungry, hungry caterpillar, 300 votes. Now, books with the most votes overall: mm. Possum Magic, Where Is the Green Sheep, and Time for Bed. Wow, that's Heavens. an impressive body of work, man. Thank you so much for those statistics. I yeah. need a photo. <laughs> we'll give you those. We'll give you those after this interview. Uh, one of my all-time favourite books. Well, I've got a couple actually. Yes. One is John Brown Rose and a Midnight. I Cat. love that. It's one of. Do you oh, love just that? Jenny Wagner. that book. Yeah, I've now got a dog. He's not an English sheep dog, oh, but he's. I love that book so much. And it's really it's a similar subject mm-hmm. in a way. Um, I've now got a dog called John Brown. He's not an English <laughs> sheep dog though. Um, but my other all-time favourite book is Ten Little Fingers and Ten Little Toes. Oh, thank you. I mean, that is, and I want to talk about. I mean, you said lyrical. I call it poetry. People often, I mean, I get sent so mm. much here, and people send me ideas of children's books mm. and all sorts of things, and every person. Uh, that's had a child thinks they can write a book. But what people don't realise is that it's a short story. It's a poem. It needs rhythm. It needs plot. It, you know, in how many words? How, how many words is it total? It's, um, they're not that would be, that would be about 200 words, I think. There you go. T- t- uh, Ten little fingers and ten little toes. Yes, wouldn't be more than 200, I don't think. Yeah, so let's say max 300 words. Yes. I mean, to me, that is amazing storytelling. That you can get all those peaks and troughs of a story in so few words. I mean, this is why I think picture books, good picture books, mm. the talent is exceptional. And, and you are exceptional. I was talking to a group, uh, to, you know, I had an event yesterday mm. at the State Library in, in mm. here in Sydney, and it came up towards the end. It was it came up a right. It arose out of a question, mm. um, and I articulated something that I'd been thinking about probably for the last six nine months. I am not sure that you can write children's picture books, whether they're prose. Or rhyming, I don't think you can write them if you don't know poetry by heart. That is absolutely true. I so agree with that. Just come to that realization after 36 years of writing, wondering why other people don't succeed when they, they should be succeeding. You know, where the idea is a wonderful idea, you know, where the, the pictures are fantastic, but you need and somehow flowing through your veins an unconscious, a deeply unconscious awareness of the rhythm of words. Yeah. You cannot have a three-syllable word where a two-syllable word is required. And you you can't squeeze those syllables between a capital letter and a comma. You you can't you can't hope that people are going to read it in such a way that it will fit. You know, it mm-hmm. just won't fit. Um, 
so the the you know when you look at ten little fingers and ten little toes, it's so simple. It is. I don't blame so people, Cheryl, for saying, you know, I think I'll write a picture book when I have the time, which is the most enraging thing that anybody it drives can say to me, me crazy. You know, it just drives me crazy. You know, my yeah. ki- my kids have left home. I've got yeah. time on my hands. I think I'll write a picture book. Mm. Well, go for it. I say, yeah. you know, do your living mm-hmm. best. You know, and yeah. see what happens. Um, but if you know poetry by heart. Um, there's just something you just have an edge. You just you just know. Yeah. You just know. How did that? There's I- a whisper down the line at eleven thirty nine when the night mail's ready to depart, saying, "Skimble, where is Skimble? Has he gone to hunt the thimble? We must find him, or the train can't start." You just, you know, if you've got that, and you know, you know that T. S. Eliot cat's poem, something you can't go wrong then, because something slaps you around the head and says, "This is not." There's that something. Just not quite there. Um, diversity features so strongly in all your books, but it's subtle. Like it's just there. It's part of the prose. It's part of the poem. Do you think about that a lot or do you, it's just the world that you live in? Uh, I do think about it a lot. I think it's because when I was little, I was for a while the only white kid on a, on a mission. Mm. Um, as I grew up from, from the time of three, then there was, there were other missionaries on the mission, but they were, you know, childless or, you know, uh, their, their children had left home. But as, as I grew up, there were more and more missionaries with children and we had, you know, great gang going. Um, but, uh, for a long time, and I also, I also went to, um, the African school, which none of the African, none of the other missionaries did. My, my parents were Australian and they were very radical. And the other kids went to boarding school, even though it was a boarding school 11 miles from the house. I mean, it was just ridiculous. So I, um, I had this privilege really of being in the minority mm. and having friends of all, you know, of all characters, even though they were of all the same race. They were different characters, like, you know, it, it, we're all different characters. Mm. The, the color of our skin is irrelevant. You know, some people are wife-beating bastards, you know. Other people are the gentlest, funniest people in the world. Uh, you know, they're, they're kind people. They're uh, um, narcissistic people. It, the world is full of different people. The color of people is is irrelevant to their character. I absolutely agree. It's irrelevant to their character. And for people to think differently drives me nuts. Mm. Um, My mother told me, which I had not realized, that blood is the same. You know, I mean, I didn't even know that, that blood, our blood is the same. I thought because they had black skin that perhaps they didn't have the same blood, that there was a different blood type. This was in my teens. And she said, no, no, all our blood is the same. And they were very radical. We had Africans to lunch and dinner and so on. No other missionaries had Africans to, to meals, you know. It's extraordinary. So, Living in their know, country. They were, my, yeah. my, my parents were really, when I look back, they were astonishing people. So, um, you know, also just there's anybody who's left out. I mean, that, there's a book not very well known of mine. It was published in the States and... um can I even remember the title of it? I just, the, the Goblin and the Empty Chair. I think it's called The Goblin and the Empty Chair. And it's about somebody who thinks they're so ugly 
that they can't, you know, meet this family that they're secretly helping at night. You know, the goblin sees the farmer needing help and he helps at night when nobody's looking. He sees the farmer's wife, you know, very sad over a bucket and he, you know, he helps overnight. He sees the child very sad because somebody in the family has died. That's not really said in the story. And then, and they know that somebody is, is helping because it's, the work is done. Mm. And it's the, the ending when they invite him in and he doesn't come at first. They invite him in. They know he's there and they set the table and they invite him in and he doesn't come. And then he comes. And the last line, it just says, and they sat down to eat. It doesn't say anything more. But I am, I'm aware of the left out person. I'm aware of the racism, you know, that is perpetrated upon people. And I'm so glad you mentioned the word subtle because the moment children think that you're trying to teach them something is the moment that they want to jump off a cliff. Because, you know, for me, every single book has great meaning of yours with just within the lyrics and the storyline that really it just doesn't, for me it's just part of the character of the writer. It doesn't seem intended at all. It's just who you are. No, whoever you are um, yeah, doesn't beat about the bush. It's just rhyming, not rhyming, it's very rhythmic and repetitive. Mm. Uh, ten little fingers and ten little oh, toes. Well. I'm Australian too. Yeah. Um, but we're all the same. It's like the same, same blood. We all have ten little we, fingers we're, and we're ten little we toes. We do, you know. Mm. Um what do you think, what are you thinking now in this world of uncertainty? I mean, I mean, I think your books are more important than ever. Um, when we, there's so much divisiveness in the world, not just here, you know, in the US and yes. the UK. Yes, it's awful. Isn't it's, it? it is really awful. And, and tolerance seems to have just gone out the window. I don't understand what's but happening. Seeing the other person's point of view has gone out of the window. That's completely. right. Completely. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're just polar opposites, whatever we think. Yeah. We are polar opposites. Personally, I'm not dealing with it well. Yeah. I, I can wake at three in the morning and, and just freak until I get up at, you know, mm. 6.30. It's I worrying. Just, I, I, I just am, I'm so terrified of the... Um, climate situation mm-hmm. um, I can't deal with it mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm actually beyond dealing with it I, I, I'm shaking with worry about it and the fact that you know uh, the almost dead white males in the world who are running us is brushing it off mm-hmm. <laughs> just brushing it off and I've, I've, I will never write a book about it I don't think because I don't, I, I don't I think I'd have to write a polemic and then that would just kill it mm-hmm. you know that would kill it but that is it's a, an enormous worry to me. Mm. The, the, the wonderful thing about a picture book, um, for anybody, adult or child, whoever, whether it's the reader or the, or the, um, or the listener, is that you, your life is distilled into a Zen moment of five minutes of consolation. It's not just for the kids, the reading aloud, you know. It's not just for them. Absolutely. It's for the adult. You've had a terrible day at work. Everything's gone bad. Your boss is a bastard. It's not fair. This, this person got promoted. I didn't. Um, the traffic was so bad. I didn't get to an appointment. I got into trouble for that. You know, and then you read a picture book to a child and the bubble that, the bubble of horror from the day just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. 
and it disappears because you love the child so much. The rhythm of the book is soothing. You, you're just taken into a very magical space. So perhaps what I need to do to calm myself about climate change is just to sit there and read my own books to myself. Well, do you know? Just to calm down. I so agree with you, and I do it very often. I read picture. I mean, I I, I don't have children at mm-hmm. home, and uh, I I'm I I hugely excited when I see a book, a new book from you or, or, your, or any of my favourite kids' authors, and I take a picture book home and I read it myself to mm. myself, and mm. I love it. You know, I, I really uh, – good uh, – another one is Who Sank the Boat by Pamela oh, Allen that just comes divine. to mind. Truly, isn't that just a divine, fabulous book? Superb. You know, Yeah, very talented. Yes. But, you know, I think everybody should treat themselves to reading a picture book. Well, it's soothing. Mm? It's because of the nature of the writing, you know, perforce it, it, it is, is soothing, even if it's funny, even if it's fun, which, you know, one would hope that most books have some fun in them, otherwise what's the point? But it is the rhythm of the language. It, it's very calming. Mem Fox, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you, Cheryl, very much. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.